I'm going to tell you all exactly why we're having financial trouble. I even think I know where it starts, and it might not be where you imagine. It isn't because of your bills. It isn't because you don't make enough money at work. It isn't because of unexpected weird things that happen, like cars that break down or strange illnesses. That's not why. It's not, thank you, Shirley. It's not because of the economy, although that appears to suck now and then, doesn't it? Why is it that you think that we're having trouble with money? I think, and I hope to explain why today, it's because our picture of God isn't big enough. And it's because our relationship to God isn't strong enough. So we're here in the middle of a, well, actually we're just starting out a pledge program, and I hope everyone gets a chance to fill out a pledge card sometimes this month. But, you know, the finances here at the center aren't any different than our finances collectively, both as individuals and as you add it up to, to be a group of people. And so my job this month isn't so much to worry on the, um, the finances of the church. I'm going to leave that to Scott and some of the other people that you'll hear here speaking about our finances. My job, I think, is for us to be fabulously abundant. And so my job this month is to give us some ideas, some tools, some new ways of looking at things to really upgrade our own ability to have our own, if you will, to understand that we are worth it, that we're capable, and that the universe is willing to provide. And you know what? I think a great place to start would be a joke. So here we go. So the visiting preacher was really getting the congregation moving. Near the end of his sermon, he said, if we're going to get somewhere, if this place is going to get somewhere, then the church has got to walk. To which someone in the back yelled, let her walk, preacher. And then the preacher said, if this church is going to go, really go, it better get up and run. And so someone in the back again yelled out, let's run, let's run. And feeling the surge of energy, the preacher said with even louder gusto, if this church is going to go, boy, it's going to fly. And it erupted into the, the saying of, let her fly, let her fly, preacher, let her fly. Then the preacher seized the moment and started with even greater gusto. And if this church is going to go somewhere, if it's going to fly, it's going to take some money. Suddenly, silence. <laughs> and a small voice in the back of the room said, I guess it'll walk then. <laughs> I think we all have kind of a crazy relationship to money, and that's where I want to start. I think that our relationships to money is one of those kind of love and hate relationship. Does everybody know what that is? It's, it's like we, we view money as something we want, but don't have enough of. We view it as something that both blesses us and tends to cause us trouble. It's something that we both strive for, and then when we get it, we're a little worried about where it's going to end up, whether there will be enough. And in fact, I think a lot of us work really hard at getting stuff in life with the idea that once we finally get our life in order, once we finally have enough money to save for retirement, once we finally get our relationships in order, once life is working the way we want, we're going to glue it down with cellophane and hold it really tight for fear that it's going to get up and go away again. Do you know what I mean? This is our idea, I think, of the way the universe works. And, I, and of course, uh, being a minister, I hear a lot of people pray, and I want to tell you, it doesn't even sound that much better when I hear people pray. Because it's so clear when I hear people pray that they want what they don't have 
And they expect God as some kind of disembodied figure somewhere to go to God's warehouse where all creation lies to do some requisition form and somehow get it to us. But don't you see, it's the very picture in some ways of craziness. God isn't some guy on on a cloud with a catalog making orders for us. And, and yet, isn't that often a picture that we start with as a child? You know, our, our child's picture of what God is, and when we hear our, our parents or the preacher talk about God, often it is that idea of, well, yeah, God is the abundance of all humanity, of all the, the universe. All of it is God, and yet there's always that picture of, well, that must start somewhere outside of me, because I'm not seeing it. And I think we carry that with us. I think even as adults, there's a little piece of us, even though we say God is omnipresent, omnipotent, even though we imagine in our hearts, I hope, that God truly is everything, everywhere, it's still, well, yeah, that's God's stuff. And I, in my own humanness, Still have to re- work really hard to get it, to, to somehow do, you know, be good enough to be blessed, work hard enough to be rewarded, to be perfect enough that the perfection of God will somehow smile on us. I think that's just crazy. I think that is just going to emphasize what we don't have. If we truly say that God is everywhere present, and if we truly say that the riches of the entire universe are part of God, well, let me use an example. Let, just for a moment, and bear with me, let's imagine that the entire universe is me. So, so I'm that, that universal richness of all things. That's, that's this Larry thing today. And my hand represents an individual person. So we've got the universe, and we've got little Larry here as my hand. Do you think the hand has to beg the body for the blood supply it gets? Do you think that the hand has to keep sending messages to the brain, send me oxygen, send me oxygen? Do you know what I mean? We're treating ourselves as though we're completely separate from God when God in its very nature is like the body and the hand. We do not need to do or to be or anything special to take advantage of the bounty of the universe. There's that idea of the lilies of the field that that neither want nor toil. We simply can receive our good. It's as though a fish were were searching in the water for a glass, glass to drink. Do you know what I mean? Here we are submersed in the universal good and and, and idea by idea, we're, we're like saying it's out there. It's like, you know, if only there were air to breathe, it's got to be here somewhere. That is the way abundance works. It's not only infinite, but it's infinitely present right where we are. We don't have to seek it out. Let's look at the opposite of this for just a minute. Have you known people that were miserly? 
Have you met someone that whether it's love or whether it's money, whether it's their affections or something, they're, they're miserly. And by that we mean, well, they've got a certain amount of it and boy, they're holding it really tight. It's like when they see someone in need, they'll kind of walk the other way. When they see someone less fortunate than themselves, it's like, hmm, you know, where the helping hand could be there. Instead, the miser is a little bit at work, whether it be around money or love or affection or other things. Do you know what's happened here, though? We've really stopped a flow. The miser, rather than being in the flow of things, says there's only so much to be had, and when I get a certain amount of it, I'm just going to hold on to it. Let's go back to our idea of, of God and an individual. If you extend the metaphor, it would be like every time you got something, you got to hold on to it. Here, let me, let me get one of these programs too, because gosh knows I need a few extra of those. <laughs> but, but can you see, eventually, it's like there's only literally so much you can have in your hands. The purpose, can I have another? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. So so the idea here isn't in the human world, what we get with our hands isn't so that we keep it. Our hands eventually fill up. In the human world, when we, when we work and we, we receive money and we receive goods, the idea is we're getting it so that we can pass it along. It's only supposed to be in our hands for long enough to make an investment with it, long enough in our own hands to, to use what we need and bless someone else with it. And whether it's money or whether it's love, whether it's affection, we only get to participate in it when we're actively receiving and then giving it away again. The rest, the rest of what we need, it is simply God's good pleasure to give us. So the two things that I think have left us in a state so often where we feel that we're lacking, one is that our picture of God isn't big enough, that we truly aren't thinking that God can figure out whatever God needs to figure out to bless us all, that the lilies of the field will get their water, that you and I will be served by this thing greater than ourselves, and we don't need to figure it out. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is our relationship to it. Somehow we think that, that we're the, the ugly stepsister or something. Do you know what I mean? That we're literally not worthy of it. That God might bless Star or that God might bless Shauna, but for whatever reason, you know, not me. You know, I, I look around me and I, I see people who are better off than I am. I see people um, who are economically uh, in better hands. I, I see all of that outside. And so obviously, right, I'm somehow deficient. These are the two things that are going to keep us right where we are. One of the things that I, I love about God bless the child in the very beginning, it's like God's going to bless the people that already have and God's going to take away from the people that don't have. It's like, what kind of God is that? It's the kind of God that listens to what we're thinking. It's the kind of God that when I say, oh my gosh, I can't afford that, God says, okay then. It's the kind of God that says, I'm just not really lovable and I'm not really worthy. It's the kind of God that says, well, okay then. Not lovable, I can take care of that. 
Not worthy? Let's send him a few more bills. <laughs> so it's our idea of God. It's our belief in unworthiness. These are the things that are both our greatest success and our greatest weakness. It is done unto us as we believe. And if we believe we're not worthy, if we believe we're poor, if we believe there's not enough to go around, if we believe that God only rewards certain people, and I'm probably not one of them, if we believe that I live in the, the wrong neighborhood, or if we believe that I'm not smart enough or pretty enough or educated enough to have a good life or a good job or to be loved, God does unto us as we believe. Can't be simpler. We're using a great book this week. It's called Spiritual Economics. Um, for inspiration, it's from Eric Butterworth. And I want to read um, one of the opening passages from this. He says, When you think of God, you may follow the subconscious tendency to think up a giant Michelangelo-like figure of a Superman on the ceiling with bulging muscles, a long white beard, sitting on a billowy cloud and throne with all of the wealth of the universe in his storehouse. You may insist that you do not hold such an image, and yet, and yet, when you pray for God's help in some financial problem, do you not ask God for that supply from that warehouse? God is not a dispenser of divine substance. God is the allness of ever-present substance in which we live, in which we move, and in which we have our being. We don't petition God, we simply live. We simply accept. And as soon as we get over our own miserliness, as soon as we fully open up our hearts, we can begin receiving. As soon as we know that love is for us, that abundance is for us, that like the lilies of the field, we can just look up and expect the blessing. When we get to that point, then we don't need to worry about this. You know, there's an old saying, and I think it's from the Bible as well. In fact, I know it's from the Bible. I'm a minister. I'm supposed to know these things. Uh, but, <laughs> but the idea is, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things and more will be added unto it. And by that it is, when we focus on our spiritual being first, and not worry so much about the humanness of us, then things start getting really smooth. So when we concentrate on knowing that God is our true source, it's not a job. How many people here think they live on a fixed income? I used to think that way. In fact, I want to use an example. I'll tell a bad story about myself. Well, I mean, it's a good story, but um, we'll see how much you like the idea of a minister when I tell you this story. So I, went, I was going to ministerial school. Gosh, it's about almost 10 years ago now. I first started ministerial school, and the first year went so great. The bad news was about ministerial school, though, I was down in California. We didn't have one actually here in Portland. And so I was finding myself, you know, twice a month headed down to California. And when the first year was over... And the bills had all come in. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for school? I mean, the, the school had done a really good job of, of showing what the tuition was. But after that first year's experience, what I discovered was I was going to have to shell out $30,000 to go to school. Oh my gosh. Now to some of you, that's probably no big deal. But to me, at the time, it was like, I don't see how this is going to happen. I managed to pay for the first year, and now I'm looking at the syllabus for next term, and one of the books is 
right? And they just jacked up airfare. It's like, how's this going to happen? So we're down in California, right? That's where ministerial school is. We're at Encinitas. The beach is like three blocks away from where I'm going to ministerial school. And I decided on my last trip of the year, I was just going to go down to the beach and turn over this whole idea of God, to God. Because I truly, I didn't really know where the money was going to come from in particular. I mean, I, I do fine financially, but just like a $30,000 bill, I don't know how that's going to happen. And so I knew that God wouldn't necessarily, well, let me say it, let me put it this way. God tends to provide for me as I need it. And so I knew that I didn't necessarily, that someone wasn't going to give me $30,000 or that somehow all that money would be available at once. And I didn't need it all at once. It was for another three years of school. But oh, did I want a sign. Are you ever human too in that way? Do you ever just want to, just a sign that things are going to work out? It's like I trust God so completely and the human part of me just like, like God, could you raise your hand or something? Just, just to let me know, just to let me know that I'm going to be covered. And so I did a prayer on the beach and I'm walking along and, and I do love the beach and I tend to walk a, a little bit, especially when I'm praying with my, with my head bowed and the water was just coming up. The tide was coming as, as I'm walking along the beach in Encinitas. And right in front of me, the water comes up just to touch my toes and there's a dollar bill floating on the surface of the water. I pick it up. It's not even wet on both sides. It's as though, you know, the the wave was coming in and God just gently put the dollar bill there and just allowed it to come to me. What do you think I did? I tried to figure out whose dollar it was. I'm looking, I'm looking up and down the beach. I'm looking up and down the beach like, well, well, someone's got to be here somewhere. It just fell out of someone's purse, right? And then suddenly, I mean, I'm so foolish sometimes. <laughs> it hit me. Well, of course, this was the sign. This was the sign. How often do we ignore such signs? How often are the opportunities that... Uh, that Star was talking about in her opening prayer. How often do the opportunities come right up on a wave of great grace within a couple inches of us and we try to make it be about someone else? How often is the good just as close as we can touch it? And maybe we're not even seeing it because somehow in our hearts we don't think we're good enough or worthy enough. How often are the riches of the universe with us. Simply, we're, we're swimming in it, and instead, we'll find that one little corner of our life that doesn't seem to quite be perfect yet, and where does all of our focus go? Our focus goes to maybe that one area of life where there's some lack or some bit of trouble, something that isn't working right, and the 99.9.9.9% that we've probably just let go and let God take care of is working so darn well, and in our humanness, we'll just find anything to pick apart and and find not good enough. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. So... It pretty much did stop with me on that day eight years ago. You know, I have been so blessed with my finances since then, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in coming weeks. But I want us all to take a vow today that that nonsense can stop. 
Each one of us is worthy of a comfortable, beautiful, loving life. Each person in this room is capable. Each person in this room is lovable. Each person in this room is worthy. There is nothing, nothing that can keep us from having the life that is fabulous except us. And I'm going to lead right into my homework for this week. You know that I'm kind of sneaky that way. And this is no different. I think that if we want to clean up our lives and get ready to receive more good in it, more love in it, more life in it, more health in it, then we've got to address some of the lies that are going around in our heads right now. And so for this week, I want you to put a little filter on your thinking and especially on your speech. And anytime you notice yourself about to either thinking or about to say something that you can't do, I want you to make a note of it. I want you to notice what you are believing about yourself or thinking about yourself. Let me give you a couple examples, and especially if it's around money. So uh, let's say you go to, I don't know, Fred Meyer, and you're looking at Halloween costumes. Uh, I already went to one party. It was so much fun, and there's another Halloween party coming up I want to go to. So you're looking at costumes, and you go, oh, my gosh, I would love to have this costume. Oh, but it costs $49. So I want you this week to notice those oh, but kind of things. Or if you're at the grocery store and and, and like once a month you have pot roast and you look forward to pot roast and you go, they raised the price on pot roast. I want you to notice that. What do we believe is true about ourselves when we have those little, those little uh, around money? I think we're either saying to ourselves, I'm not worth it, or I think sometimes we're saying, if I spend it on this, there won't be money left later, or I think we're just saying, there's not enough, there's just not enough. No matter how I look at it, no matter what I do, there will never be enough. These are the thoughts I want you to keep track of. I want you to bring them with you next week, and next week, one by one, it is my duty to destroy them. Fair enough. So that's your homework for next week. Uh, I want to do a final reading from this book and, of course, a prayer. I want everyone in this room to be so successful, so feeling connected, so, so recognizing the limitlessness of God in their own lives. That is my goal. This month, I want you to hold me to it. And we're going to have a little fun, as you can imagine, along the way. But let me close with another reading from uh, Eric Butterworth and Spiritual Economics. Make a deeply rooted commitment that you will practice the full presence of God, ever reminding yourself that you are in the very presence of an infinite, eternal substance from which all things proceed. You're swimming in it. Resolve that you will live and think and work as if you really believed that the whole of creativity and substance were present for you always in your work and in every transaction of your investments as life itself. God is always for you. Let us pray. There is one power. There is one presence, there is one life, there is one joy, there is one, one love, and it is that thing that I call God. God is infinite. And in that infinity of God, so do we reside. So each one of us is here as part of the good, 
We're not only the lilies of the field, but we're that which waters the lilies of the field. Truly the abundance of life, the abundance as life, as each one of us. And even as we cannot be separate from God, so we cannot be separate from the riches of God's universe. The love is here. The life is here. The joy is here. The peace is here. Anything that we could use or want or desire is here. Now. Always. And I am simply grateful for this. Simply greater for, grateful for that greater awareness of, of love and life in its, in its hugeness and in my connectedness to it. And so with a lot of love, I just release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself, knowing that it's good, knowing that it's fine, knowing that life is for us. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. So glad.